Hello and welcome to another episode of Site Control Synopsis. With me at this time is a very special guest, a former FCC amateur lightweight champion, and he's had some incredible performances against the likes of Anne Davies and John Ross of Bellator. It's none other than Ashley Reese. Ashley, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Everything going good to you? You okay? Yeah, so um, I guess starting off, what was your early inspiration to get into MMA? Uh, I come from a running background. I did a running originally from like the age of about 12 up until the age of 20. And then sort of uh, didn't really feel quite a lover I did. I just didn't feel like I was competitive anymore. And I wanted to do a, another sport where I could sort of uh, have that joy of competing again. Uh, I sort of enjoyed more individual sports more than anything. So I started doing MMA and I really enjoyed that. So I carried on with it. And uh, one thing led to another and I ended up being where I am. Uh, fighting as a pro, uh, fighting as a professional on a big promotion. Uh, but coming from Stoke-on-Trent, what was the MMA scene like over there when you started? Uh, it was okay originally. I, my MMA career started in Manchester uh, under a coach called Ozzy Halluk. Uh, I was with him up until my third pro fight. And uh, I moved, when I, when I left Manchester, uh, moved in with, with my wife, uh, I moved to Stoke and then things changed then slowly. I moved, I was training more and more in Stoke rather than Manchester. Uh, my actual home base is uh, a gym in St. Helens, which is in Liverpool. So I, tr- I divide my training bef- between St. Helens and uh, Stoke. Right. Um, but again, you. Ha- I think you're from the Hammer uh, gym, right? That's in St. Helens. Yeah, yeah. St. Helens, Liverpool. Yeah. What have you noticed as a major difference in like in Stoke and in St. Helens? Has, have you noticed a big difference? Is there an MMA culture in Stoke? Yeah, it's getting there slowly. There's, there's quite a few gyms popping up now. I think people are sort of, uh, as MMA's grown, there's a more mainstream sport. A lot of people are starting to get involved more. When, when I first moved down to Stoke, there weren't that many gyms. But now there's, there's quite a few gyms. I'd say there's good, maybe... 10 or 12, some of them are smaller gyms or some of them are decent gyms with quite a few fighters, but uh, there's, there's quite a lot of variety now. Even with uh, stuff like jiu-jitsu and uh, tie boxing, there's quite a few different gyms now, which is nice. Martial arts have sort of uh, come on in Stoke in the last few years, which is really good. And in terms of, like you, you again, you're from a running background, but then coming into MMA, what was that transition like? And... What was your early experience with just training in MMA? Uh, the transition, fitness-wise, was very easy because I had that aerobic base from uh, doing running. And when we done like uh, stuff like sparring and that, I wouldn't be as tired as other people would be. And people like people used to look at me like, "Ash, why are you not tired?" I'm like, "Well, when when you come from the running background that I've come from, like you build a foundation to start off with." So. Even even from a beginner, I'm probably fitter than most beginners to begin with. So when I finally know what I'm doing, everything adds on and adds on and your foundation sort of uh, makes you a step above everyone else. And then what would you say was that first moment where you realised, well, how important this fighting scene is? Because, of course, we all know about the fight with Martin Chester that happened at, at FCC for the Amateur Lightweight Championship. But was that the moment for you that made you like kind of take it all in, or was that something that happened before that? No, no. I, I, what I would say it was maybe after, 
because uh, with my with my first coach Ozzy, he always said, "Let's see how your amateur career goes, and then we'll see how you do as an amateur." And we take things one step at a time. So I had my amateur fights. I had uh, seven seven amateur fights, and then when I turned professional, I started having my I think I had my first three professional fights in FCC, three or four, I think it was. And I, I moved to a, a bigger promotion, a Russian promotion called ACB. And that was sort of when I was like, okay, maybe I'm I'm quite good at this. I'm fighting in, in like big arenas. Because my first fight for ACB was at uh, the MEL arena, which was a big deal to me because I'd, I'd lived in Manchester before. And normally only like the elite, elite and elite would uh, have a chance, like elite boxers or elite sportsmen, like athletes or something, would uh, have a chance to sort of fight there or even compete there. So when when that happened, it's like okay, maybe maybe I'm quite good at this. But then when I was watching back your fights, and then the again, I think the one fight that really struck out to me was the Martin Chester fight because I think that fight kind of had elements of who you are as a fighter in terms of being so durable, t- being able to take so much damage, and then keep coming back and maintaining that offense. Would yep. you say that's the most important skill that you have as a fighter? That durability. Uh yeah yeah I could say that I think me personally it's it's one of the two things like you you have a you have that sort of person where you're a durable person and when stuff gets hard and you don't really give up and I I can say that it's taught as well because in my gym at the start of my amateur career uh, I was in a, a very small gym and that was sort of the way everyone did things you sort of. Uh, when we sparred, we, we didn't spar like we wouldn't spar like one person around around with different people. It'd be like shark, as they call it, them call shark tanks. So you'd have multiple people back to back. That'd be our sparring. So I sort of built that sort of style from doing that for so many years as an amateur, and then it sort of carried on. So do you still maintain that style of sparring before every fight? Do you still go to multiple fighters? At, at the same yeah, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do that to this day. Um, with the better fighters, you can you can do individual rounds, but uh, even my coach now, Sean Martin, he still we still do that. That's sort of one of the the, the major fitness tests that you'd have before a fight. Like you'd, uh, but normally on Saturday, we'd if you're getting close to a fight, you'd spar for the hour, and then at the end of sparring, where you're your most tired, then you'd shark tank you to see what you've got. So that's uh, one of the things where you sort of, let's see how I do. If I can do well then, then you know you're ready to fight, which is good. I've, I don't think I've ever not been ready. I've never felt like I've been terrible at a shark tank, thankfully. <laughs> and then um, I think like, you had been racking up so many wins at FCC and then ACB. And then you had the fight against Adam Proctor, where again, we saw the tenacity that you have, you know, being down in the first two rounds and then coming back in the third and almost getting the win. It was such an incredibly close fight by the end. Again, what was that like going through your first adversity in your MMA career? The way I describe it was, if, if winning is a bit like, you know, you know, when you you see the things in the pub, them, uh, them balls in the pub, the mechanical balls, and they spin round. Um, it's a bit like that. You see how long you can win for because. Believe it or not, I, I believe truly that if you're testing yourself enough and you're pushing yourself and you're finding the hardest guys out there, eventually you are going to lose. And I, I was one of them where my manager, my coaches and everyone was like, oh, let's see who the best is now. Let's see if we can climb the ladder. Let's see how many guys we can knock off. 
and just try and try and climb the rankings as much as we can. Uh, just before they had them propped to fight, I fought a lad named Sam Bolt, who had them propped to just beat. And uh, he he fought on ACB a few times as well. He fought me that like, the fight previous to that. And uh, I'd looked on uh, Sam Bolt's record and one of his only losses was to Adam Proctor. And uh, the matchmaker for ACB offered me Adam Proctor in, in, a, in sort of the list. We had like three or four names and Adam Proctor was one of them. And I just said, uh, Can I, I want to fight Adam Proctor, please, because he's, he's the only one that's beat my last opponent. And that's sort of the, fight, the easiest fight that makes sense. That's me moving forward because I'm beating someone that I've beat that person. So let me beat the next person that he, he couldn't beat. That's the next toughest person. So that was the toughest person on that list. So I chose him. Do, do you feel like in that third round you could have actually gotten the fight in your favour? Uh, yeah, it, it was one of them. It's it very quick. Like I dropped when I dropped him, I thought I, 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 I got the finish here, and then. Like it, was, it went a bit in slow motion, really, because as I dropped him, I could see him. He was looking up at me. And he, he rolled. I think I don't know if he rolled over, or rolled over his head, but he looked up and he shot a takedown. And sort of as I was chasing after him, I see I could see his eyes. And normally, you know, someone's like badly hurt because their eyes are all over the place, and he was switched on. So with me, in me running up, running up to him, I was like, oh, I still need to. Like be switched on myself. I can't just go for the kill here because it's the start of the round. It wasn't there wasn't much into the round. It's only like 10, 15 seconds into the round. If I would have ended up and bottom, then I would have definitely lost the fight. It was one of them. I sort of trying to go for broke, but you're trying to go for broke in the point where you, you're not ruining it for yourself. You're not reckless. Mm -hmm. Um in saying that, I mean, as a fighter, you see things that of course the audience doesn't see. You know, you see the little, you know things that fighters do you know when you know there are signs where if you know if they're doing well if they're not do you catch on to those when you're fighting do you feel the tendencies just because being a fighter yourself do you feel the tendencies of how well your opponent is doing in the fight yeah 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 definitely i'll point score when i fight so if i'm fighting with my opponent i'll point score like if he catches me something like, oh, he's up he's up one might be like one but he's, he's hit me with a good shot and that's one all. Then it hits me another shot. I hit me with a good shot. I'll be 2 1. So I know at the end of the round, I know whereabouts, whether I'm close to winning that round or I've lost that round. So it's a, it makes it fun that because you always want to oh, oh, let's try and edge the round, let's try and win the round. Uh, I've got a few friends as well that are coaching the gym that I train at, uh, Stoke Combat Academy. I've got a few friends that coach there. And they, they judge as well. So I'm always picking their brain about stuff, like how judges judge. And then I sort of try and, try and base my game on that, know what the judges want and know what I need to do to make them make them want that. If the fight does ever go to the decision, I know that it's going to, going to favour me. What have you learned from that? Because I think there are so many different subjective ways of judging a fight. Is it pressure? Is it, you know, control time on the ground? What do you put up there as the in a priority list in terms of what's more important in terms of judges scoring? I think it, for me, I think it's how close you are to finishing a fight, and uh, if you're you're negating what the other person's doing. So if like uh, imagine I was in mount for three rounds and I mounted that person for three rounds, and I was raining punches down. I might not finish him. There might not be like little tiny rabbit punches, but if he had, he's had no like.
made no effort to get out. And I, I've been the only one that's been even remotely close to finishing the fight. That'd be a sort of fight that I think, yeah, I've won that fight. You sort of know when you score takedowns and stuff and if you drop someone, you know, oh, that's going to look good on the judges' scorecard. That's like a, a, a two rather than the one. You get little significant things and then you get like major things that will uh, change your fight a lot to finish your fight. They're sort of things that judge look, judges look for rather than the, the little tiny things. And so, so on the ground control that, that you get, could you potentially get a 10-8 round on ground control itself? Is that a thing that, that, that happens? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I, I'd say submission attempts, maybe. But normally, a lot, a lot of stuff's to do with damage. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the way I look to fight. I look to damage the person as much as I can because there's nothing more visual than blood and, and bruising than to say you've won a fight. If you, someone comes out unscathed, then it doesn't really... That you wouldn't know if they've had a fight. Whereas if you damage someone and beat them up, you you, you can you can see that. Mm-hmm. And then going back to your fight with Proctor, that was your final fight before you eventually signed with Bellator. That was, your next fight was with Bellator. Did you was that already in the works before you were about to fight Proctor, or was that something that happened uh, afterwards? I was still contracted to ACB. Um, ACB sort of. Had a stint where they'd done loads of shows in England. I think I fought on most of them, apart from one. I think they fought Manchester, uh, two in Sheffield, um, one in Nottingham, which I fought on, and there's another one as well. There. No, that's it, that's it, and a few in Scotland as well. Um, but uh, after that, they sort of went back to Russia and uh, Eastern Europe, like done shows in Poland, and that uh, I was offered, I was offered fights. Uh, towards the end end of when they started get moving back over to Russia. But as was an early stage in my career where some of the, the fights and opponents that they offered me weren't, didn't, wouldn't really suit me. There's only like five and then They'd offer me guys with like 18, 18 wins or 14, 15 wins. It's just double the amount of fights. And I've not had that experience to sort of fly all over the place. Whereas now, I'm getting that experience with Bellator and I'm sort of a... I've got a good matchmaker in Drew Samuel, so he's matching me well. And uh, I'm uh, still exploring everywhere. I've been a few different countries, so that's good. And then your first two fights in Bellator was John Ross, where you picked up a dominant victory, and then you beat Craig, Craig Turner. Was that, what was that momentum like going into the fight against Stefano in Bellator, which was in Milan? But building that momentum, how important was that to you in Bellator, starting off with those two wins? As soon as I got to Bellator, because I'd, I'd, I'd had two years off from, off, was it a year? A year or two years it was from ACB, because of the, the star mate in ACB, like we had not uh, competed for so long. I just said to, to my coaches, like, I need a really busy year. I just, um, as long as the lads are like a similar experience and they're not really bothered about, like if someone's 10 and 0, because I was like six, six, five, six and one, I think I was six and one then. So if they're 10 and 0, so it's not that much different. Like as long as they have the amount of fights that they've had to me is like pretty similar. I'm not bothered about if they've won or lost fights. I just want to get in there and then fight decent lads. Um, so it was about getting as many fights in as I could. Uh, the Paterno fight, I was actually meant to... I think I was looking to fight in London in November. Uh, I was out of the run and the agent called me and said, Ash, uh, Paterno's opponent's pulled out for Milan. 
it's in October, but what do you think? I said there was only a few more weeks, so yeah, I'll take that flight. So I'm, I'm fit now because I've just done a time trial, some cardio stuff. So I knew I knew where my fitness was at. So it's a sort of a no-brainer. It's a calculated risk. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't pay off, but it's one of them. If you don't roll the dice, you never know. You wouldn't know. Was there anything surprising from Paterno in that fight? Because normally you would expect him to be the one uh, on the striking, but if, but he started out the fight trying to control you in the clinch or on the ground. Was that surprising to you at all? No, no. He's, 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 he was, he's a former cage warriors champion, so I'd expect him to be well-rounded. Um, yeah, yeah, it's one of them. Like, it's MMA, you need to mix it up. And sometimes, some fights, you don't really get an opportunity. Some people give you different opportunities, and maybe I'll give an opportunity for him to clinch. It's like with me, with a lot of my fights, like, I'm not saying I can't strike, but people give me, if you give me easy takedowns, I want to take them easy takedowns all day rather than strike. Because I don't need to take damage in striking. If I can grapple someone and dominate them in the grappling department, I don't need to use my hands. I can set my hands for another day. That's the way I see stuff. So maybe he, he, uh, he had an opportunity where he wouldn't normally. So he's a, it was a good good knockout artist, Paterno, so... It might have been a nice change for him to grapple with someone for once. You did mention your, you know, I mean, I mean, you again are quite well-rounded as well. You know, on your striking game, we've seen you be great, and then even in the takedowns. But then going from lightweight to welterweight, did you feel a major difference in in your ability to, you know, pull off those things? No, just the only thing different I thought was the speed. Lightweight's a lot quicker than that. Uh, I'd say I'd say the the fight's a bit faster at lightweight um, than than welterweight. Welterweight's probably a little bit harder, but I didn't notice as much because they're a little bit slower, so you can see the punches coming as much. Whereas some of the lightweights are really uh, nippy, so it's sort of favouring me. I'm not I'm not a massive uh, welterweight, probably a big lightweight, but I've, I've bought all that cardio over from lightweight to welterweight now, which will give me advantage. I don't you don't need to be the biggest. Like so the way I'd explain it is like some cars, some cars are not as big as others, but the the engines are a lot bigger. So I'd rather have a big engine than have a, a big car and not have as big as it big of as an engine. And I mean, since then, I think it's been a while, it's been what, over over two years since you last fought, and that was a fight against Stefano. Um, yeah. What has kept you away from the sport for over two years now? Uh, the first was it first year. I had a year off and I was due to fight in Milan again. I had opponent, I signed my contract, I had my opponent booked and five weeks out, I tore my MCL in training, like completely snapped it. Uh, it was a ligament in, inside your knee. Uh, so I was in a cast of six weeks and it was a six or seven month rehab. So I was out for that year. And then the second year was when it was COVID properly where it was in lockdown so there weren't any fights on which is unfortunate but in another way it's fortunate for me because I've, I've, it gave me an opportunity to get my fitness back and then this year I was due to fight on Bellator Dublin in November yeah. the 5th of November I got to fight week I was in Dublin on the Wednesday my opponent tested positive for COVID so my fight got called off so it's just been a, a series of unfortunate events, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the way I see it is I've had, I've had 
three consecutive camps of training now. So the next person is going to get the brunt of them three camps. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> in the recovery phase from the MCL injury, and basically in your MMA journey, how important has your family been in that entire process? Uh, my family important full stop. Like I, I, they're my sole motivation for everything now. Since I've had a daughter and uh, like my missus and my daughter and my sole motivation, I, I think of them first. Anytime it gets hard, I just I've got the pictures of them in my head, and I just push a bit more. I'd always like I can always do more for them. So that's one of them. And so, what's next? When do you think potentially we could see you back in action? As soon as I'd say around May time. Uh, I, I don't. The way things are with COVID, I think there's going to be another lockdown soon. That's just my opinion. The way things seem like they are. Um, I'm, regardless, I'm training to improve. I was ready for my last fight, but I treat my I'm treating my fitness as like as if I fought because I've done a full camp, and it's just unfortunate that two days or the day before the weigh-ins that. I didn't fight, so I've still put my body through all of that stuff and improved and done everything, so I'm getting ready to fight again. I'm looking to fight around May time, so I'll be ready for May. Yeah, I've told told Bellator on that, so they, they know where, what, when I'll be ready, and it's just one of them. I'll be getting ready, and when May comes, I'll uh, be picking up the phone and saying, oh, have you got a fight for me? And most of the time, when I tell them when I'm, I need to, I, I want to fight, they sort of, the wish is my command. I'll, I'll tell them when I'm ready, and they'll, they'll book me a fight, or they'll give me offers so they're good like that and in your MMA journey that, that is yet to come what do you like what, what are your ambitions going forward what would you like to achieve That's, in Bellator my ambitions are to, to get in that Bellator World Weight Tournament and then mm-hmm. we'll go from there that's my that's my main goal now knock up as many wins as I can just smash as many people as I can and get in that uh, bracket the top 16 bracket as I say yeah, ideally, I'd love to get in the top 10, but if I can get in the bracket first, then it's anyone's game. The way the world weight division is, it, if you're in that, that Bellator tournament, funny things happen. People people that shouldn't lose, lose. Especially now with COVID and that, some like things that you'd, you'd guarantee normally in a normal time are happening. People are losing where they shouldn't lose to people. So as long as I'm, I'm, I'm in the race, I've got my chance, my chance just as much as everyone else. I need to get to that race, and that's that. Be my sole uh, uh, motivation now to get into that uh, World Weight Tournament next time it comes around. And finally, what would you like to be remembered as when it's all said and done? Uh, somebody puts on exciting fights and always pushes the pace. That's it. I mean, I mean, that's exactly what you are, a durable fighter and someone who has given us so many entertaining fights. Thank you so much for your time, Ashley. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks a lot. Thanks.